Today we're going to be talking about fasting as a spiritual discipline. Um, I'm going to start with uh, how Adele Calhoun defines fasting. She says that it's a way to clear us out and open us up into intentionally seeking God's will and God's grace. That's what fasting is. So regardless of your reason or your method of fasting, it must have a Christ-centered purpose to strengthen your prayer life, to seek God's guidance, to gain humility, to express grief or repentance, to seek deliverance or protection, or express worship to God. Those are all Christ-centered motivations for fasting. And when we do this, God blesses a proper fast and directs our attention uh, on the good things of God and the pursuit of godliness in our lives. Hope that this practical teaching on fasting helps you empty yourself of yourself and be filled with more of God. Welcome everybody, whether you're here in person or online, who's excited that it's April? I like April, I like May better, June, July, come on, let's go. We're getting there, we're getting there slow and steady. It's gonna be a wonderful spring season and we're hoping and we're praying and we're anticipating as well as summer. We're glad that you're here in person or online, wherever you happen to be joining in with us and worshiping along with us and, and wanting to be inspired by God's presence each and every week when we gather together in whatever expression we happen to do so. That is my heart cry, that you would be inspired by Jesus. That's it. You'd be inspired by Jesus in some way. And I'm hoping and praying and anticipating that you would be inspired by Jesus this day. Hey, we're winding up a series that we've called Spiritual Disciplines. We've been over the last six weeks diving into different habits or practices from the life of Jesus that if you and I would take a moment and incorporate them into our own walk with Christ or start our walk with Christ by mirroring some of these behaviors and habits and practices that we see in the life of Jesus. It will help us grow in our faith and it will also help us reproduce or multiply who we are. Now here's the thing about reproduction. We covered that in another series called The Big Three when we talked about sex, so I'm not going to go there right now, okay? Breathe a sigh of relief, but I'm going to talk about multiplication. The big fancy Christian word for multiplication is discipleship. We reproduce who we are. So when we spend time learning how to grow in living and loving like Jesus, it's super beneficial to us because we reproduce who we are. I've had the privilege over this last year to play on two different men's hockey teams. In those environments, I'm reproducing who I am. Good, bad, and the really ugly. I reproduce who I am. In my household, I reproduce who I am. So I can't get super frustrated when my youngest son, Paxton, mirrors a behavior I wish he didn't see, because he probably saw it in me first. We reproduce who we are. This is why we're spending the time immersed in these habits and these practices, and I'm hopeful that they will inspire you in some way to become a little bit more like Jesus in the way that you choose to live and in the way that you choose to love. You can always play catch up on this series. 
going to either our YouTube channel or our main webpage on the talk section and just learn a little bit more and dive in for yourself around some of the texts that we've presented through these themes and these practices and these habits. Today is all about fasting. And I remember the first time I learned about fasting, I thought I was super smart because I said out loud to the people that I was gathered with, well, I'm just going to fast from work. And they said, that's called a vacation. I said, I'll take one of those. And then I remembered that some of us struggle to even take vacation. We take vacation to go work on something that we don't have time for when we're regularly working, right? And so sometimes we have this convoluted idea or understanding of what fasting is all about. Ceasing something to replace it with something else. And so we're going to dive into that together and be immersed in it here this morning. So if you've got a Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Matthew. We're going to look at the sixth chapter. We're going to look at three verses, 16, 17, and 18. If you don't have a Bible and you want a Bible, come see myself or one of our team after this service. We would love to gift you a Bible so that you can turn and study and learn along with us from God's Word. If you have a mobile device like I do, if you have one of those, you can open up the Bible app version. It's amazing. And right on there, we every single Sunday, we produce our Sea road live event experience. So you just open up the app, click on the more section, which is the bottom right-hand corner, click on the events section, and then Sea road live will pop up. It's got all the verses that we're going to cover and some of the sermon notes. So you get the cheat sheet right there in front of you, and you know when I'm going to finish because you'll be like, sweet, he's at point number two. And there's only two points, okay? That's, that's a bonus if you open that up. So Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. Would you uh, join me as we, we learn from this together? And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people would admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. That is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Let's get some background and context for this section that Jesus is speaking to a close, his closest friends, the disciples, about fasting. And previously, if you jump forward a couple of verses, he, he just talked to them about prayer as well. And so oftentimes prayer and fasting are married together in terms of spiritual disciplines, habits that help us grow to become more like Jesus, help us to grow in our faith relationship. And here's the cool thing about fasting. What what these people would have known of, of Jewish heritage, they would have been very familiar with this concept and this idea because Jesus didn't invent fasting in this conversation. It was something culturally uh, imposed in the Jewish culture and reality for, for like eons. In fact, you could trace its origin back to something called the Day of Atonement. And we're going to have a little bit of a history lesson here as we dig into this idea of what fasting is. The Day of Atonement. Perhaps you're familiar with this, perhaps you're not. And for the sake of everyone's benefit, we're going to start at the same place and assume that we all need to be refreshed in what it means, this Day of Atonement. Once a year, 
once a year, the high priest, that meant like the leader of all the priests for the nation of Israel, would prepare for the Day of Atonement. In Jewish tradition, it's called the Yom Kippur. They prepare for this Day of Atonement, and it was such a monumental and spiritually significant day. That day was the day for the year where people would know whether or not they were atoned, like their sins were, were, were cleaned and cleansed and, and made whole once again. And here's what would happen. This high priest would spend a, a period of time leading up to that day preparing himself for that moment. There was this structure and this, this reality in the spiritual pilgrimage of this people where they had this tabernacle area, a sacred space, and it was divided into various sections. And the most intimate or holy section was referred to as the Holy of Holies. And that was where the presence, where they believed the presence of God dwelt. See, unlike today, where God has poured out his presence in abundance, for anybody who follows Jesus, you are gifted with the presence of God, the presence that created everything that we know and everything that we are. That is the gift, God with us. Prior, prior to then, God's presence was kind of more constrained or refined in where it was poured out. Because there wasn't a once and for all atonement that was never ending for the people and for our sins at that point in time. So this day of atonement was really important. You had this holy of holies sacred space where the presence of God dwelt. And that once a year, the high priest would enter into the holy of holies and on behalf of the entire nation petition that God would forgive them. There was a lot of prep work that had to take place getting ready for that moment. Here are some of the things that this person would have had to go through. They would have had to examine their own heart and mind, making sure that there was no unpure thoughts, unpure activity, unconfessed sin, because he was stepping into this, this state of perfection, this area where there's purity and no impurity could withstand the reality of what was pure and holy in that moment. And so he would go through this period of time, this sequence, and in fact, the night before, the night before the big deal, this high priest would more often than not spend the entire night awake in prayer and fasting and in studying the scripture, making sure that they were ready to enter into communion with God's presence. They would fast. If you fast forward to the life of Jesus, what's interesting to me is the day before, the night before, he faced death on a cross. He stayed up all night to pray and to fast, to get ready for what was about to come. This high priest would do this posture and this activity, and everybody in Jewish culture knew, and they were hoping and anticipating that this would be a, a perfect holy moment, that God's favor would rain down on them as a community, as a family, and they could move forward collectively in union with one another and with their creator. But they didn't know what was going to happen. And so the high priest would do his best to prepare himself, but they would also prepare for the inevitable. The high priest, before he would go into the Holy of Holies, had a rope tied around his leg. 
with a bell. The reason being is because they wanted to ensure. He was the only one that was going to go into that space. They wanted to ensure that he was still alive when he got in there. And so the instructions were when he got into that space that he would keep moving around so that they could hear the ringing of the bell. And if the bell stopped, they knew that he was KO'd and they would just pull out his corpse with the rope and hope for a better luck next year. Another thing that they would do is they would offer all of these sacrifices, animal sacrifices, spilling the blood of innocence so that they would have their own sins blotted out and cleansed. It's where we get our term scapegoat. They would inflict all of the negativity, all of the sins, all of the disasters on an animal and send it out. And then they would kill a pure animal, a lamb, and hope that that blood of that life would be enough to save them. That was a day of atonement the origins of fasting. And so when we get to this moment, the Jewish culture, they'd be familiar with what fasting looked like and what it was all about. And so Jesus reminds them in this space, it is not about being seen. It is not about being heard. It's about two entirely different things. And we're gonna cover those in the next few moments. The first thing that fasting, the practice of fasting does, and fasting, a really simple definition, definition is the cessation of activity for the sake of God's activity. The cessation of activity for the sake of God's activity, and meaning we stop doing something so that God can show us what he's already doing. And most often when, when uh, fasting is kind of conjured up in our lives. It's in reference to refraining from eating, but that's not the limits of fasting. The first thing that fasting invites us into it is fasting invites us to remember. Fasting invites us to remember. Annually, that day of atonement, every time it would come around in the calendar, people would remember this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. It's about God and his activity, and it's not about us. In the book of Romans, chapter 7, Paul is writing this letter to a group of Christians, and he's, he's kind of penning this idea and this thought process that you and I need to be aware of more increasingly as our own days move forward. He talks about the battle that exists between the spirit in a human being or one's soul and the flesh of a human being or the physical nature. What fasting helps us do is literally turn the volume down on our physical form and turn the volume up on our spiritual soul. What I mean by that is exactly back to our definition that I explained a few moments earlier. Ceasing activity, like our bodies take a lot of work. Whether we like it or not, they take a lot of work. Something is always going, something's always happening. We're consuming energy, we're doing a lot of things. It takes a lot of work to even get up in the morning. It takes a lot of work to prepare ourselves to go have a conversation we're not looking forward to. It takes a lot of work 
to get ready for each and every day. And whether we like it or not, our physicality, our physical form can overshadow at times what we do to invest in our spiritual health and well-being, even though they're interconnected. It can overshadow, and so we'll do things like making sure we've got a good workout regime, and we're eating well, and we're maybe doing a cleanse of some kind, or we're getting the sleep that we need, and all those things are excellent and good, but they have to be put in their proper place. And sometimes, if we're honest, we elevate our physical form over our spiritual form. We'll invest heavily in our physical form, and we'll neglect our spiritual form. We'll neglect the health and well-being of our souls. And that's why it's so important to engage in a practice like fasting because we right-size expectations. We turn down the volume on our physical needs and well-being, and we turn up the volume on our spiritual well-being. Sometimes what happens is people think that that when we fast, it allows us to dictate or, or help initiate or help God move in some way. And that's not true. What, it, what happens when we fast is that we get an increased awareness of what God is doing. Some, and that's really important to understand because some Christian traditions, some other religious traditions try to conjure up God, a movement of God by all these different practices, including fasting. And what they're meant to do, again, is to increase our awareness and our understanding and our openness to what God is actually doing. Because God is always working. Even when we don't see it, he is at work. We may not see the sunrise because it happens way too early, but it still rises. We might not see the waves because we don't live by the ocean, and yet they still happen. We might not see where the cardinals or the blue jays or the sparrows or the rascally rabbits get their food, but God is always working. We might not see the growth at a microscopic level that's happening under the surface that we walk on each and every day, or in the sky above, but God sees it. And when we engage in a practice like fasting, it helps us understand and recognize and be open to God's activity, a growth and awareness of what he might be doing. Fasting helps us remember that it's Jesus that provides for us. It's because of Jesus that we can step into, figuratively speaking, that holy of holies without a rope or a bell on our ankle, without the threat of death, and stand before God and have a friendship and a relationship and a connection with him. That's incredible. That's the opportunity that we have as a result of who Jesus is and what he's done. And so when we fast, when we cease from activity, it's so that God can make us more aware of his activity. Because fasting helps us to remember. Fasting also helps us to prepare. 
Fasting also helps us to prepare. Whether we like it or not, our lives aren't always easy. We're going to have hardships that we face, and that's the truth. Unexpected challenges along the way, unplanned experiences, both positive and sometimes negative. Health challenge, a relational divide, a vocational deviation of sorts. All sorts of things can bubble up, and fasting can help us prepare in a moment. Years ago, I had one of those experiences. We were matched with an adoption for the second time. And during the match process, we received some challenging information that could have really impacted our ability to connect with and our ability to parent this child. At that point, we'd been waiting for over two years for a match. And even though it didn't look like the one that we'd been waiting for, it was something that we needed to consider. And so I remember feeling inspired and compelled to fast. It was a Saturday, the end of November. We were in a group training thing. I was a youth pastor at the time, and so we had all of our 117 volunteers gathered in a space with another cluster of all these individuals, and we were learning about discipleship and how to invest in people and multiply and grow and encourage and inspire teenagers and their families to love Jesus in more creative ways. And there was a copious amount of food. All of my favorites were there. There was meat, three kinds, there were very little veggies. It was wonderful. And I remember leading up to that day, I remember that Jesus was just saying, I, I just want to spend time with you. And so that was a day that I set aside for prayer and fasting. See, there's something that we received in terms of the, uh, the information about this match that could have had some very significant physical challenges for our, our daughter. I remember that uh, learning that there, there could have been holes in her brain and other different things. And I didn't know what to do. And so I just said, well, I've got to get ready for whatever's to come. And so I'm going to fast. And on that day of fasting and on that day of learning, I tried to be as present as possible with the people around me. But I was totally 100% consumed spiritually by this what was to come and as I was praying and fasting and strategically leaving the room when food was kind of handed out so nobody would ask me what I was doing so I could keep it a secret between me and God I remember getting this picture of holes being closed and I knew everything was going to be okay. Despite whatever challenge might come along. Now I'd like to say that all the other times that I've been asked to prepare through fasting have led to a happy ending type story, but they haven't. 
Sometimes it's to get us ready for a season that we wouldn't choose for ourselves. Sometimes we might find ourselves just like Jesus in the night before his death, crying out to God, asking and begging for another way forward. But knowing that and willing to embrace whatever might come our way come the morning. And so sometimes when we fast, it's a season of preparation individually and collectively to get ready for the next season. Now, fasting can take all different shapes and forms and sizes. We can fast from food. That's one way to turn down our, spirit or our physical demands, right? I like, I like to eat at least three meals a day. I think I'm really healthy. I go for six that way, I don't miss anything and we're good to go, right? Might as well double up when you can. But sometimes we need to fast from something else. I challenged uh, our kids one time and myself on a Saturday. I said, hey, what if, we, what if we fast from complaining today? It was a glorious day. Sometimes it's fasting from other things like social media. Sometimes, sometimes each one of us can turn into what I'll call a keyboard warrior. We can, we can be brave online when we're not face to face with somebody. And we can just say it like it is or say it how we think it is. And instead of being captivated by thoughts and ideas of who God is or awareness of his activity, we can get caught up in the calamity or the negativity in the world around us. And that doesn't mean that we should stick our heads in the sand and not be aware of what's happening. We as a church family, we're, we're aware of the conflict that is happening between Russia and Ukraine. And that's why we've moved to partner with Southgate Church and doing one form of response, knowing that we can't do everything, but we can do something. And so our form of response has been partnering with them as a community. They've done ministry work in that country for over a decade, working with orphaned children, helping them to learn and grow and mature and have options as they age out of the foster care system in that environment. And now, when their, their country is war-torn, we can partner with them in helping to relocate them as needed outside of the Ukraine into Europe or, in some cases, coming all the way to Canada. And the cool thing is, is one of the first five that have been gifted travel arrived last week. Sometimes fasting helps us prepare for unexpected seasons, seasons that we can't name, seasons that we don't have language for. But we need to fast so that we're ready for whatever is to come. Knowing that everything's in God's control, yes, but, but sometimes we need to align ourselves with where God is headed and where God is going. And we can't do that if we're not aware of what's happening. It's like communication in a marriage or in a work environment. If you don't have good communication, you're gonna have breakdown. 
And sometimes fasting helps us recalibrate that communication. So I love when Jesus talks about these verses in Matthew 6, 16 through 18. It's that expectation when you fast and when you fast, don't do it to get notoriety. Do it for intimacy. Do it for intimacy and growth and awareness. See, I happen to believe that God is doing immeasurably more than I can even ask or imagine. I happen to believe that God is doing immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And collectively, I I imagine that we can imagine a whole lot. And yet God can imagine a whole lot more. And so I wonder if there's a cluster of people that would devote themselves to the habit of fasting so that we would grow in our awareness of what God is doing. I wonder if we could partner with him in in more incredible ways than we ever thought might be possible. I wonder if we could actually follow him into the lives of people. Maybe it would reframe that really challenging person in our workplace. Maybe it would reframe that really challenging person in our own family. Maybe it would reframe the situation that we are in, whether it's a a season of fruitfulness, a season of waiting, a season of, of what's next or discovery or whatever. But I happen to believe that if there was a group of people that would pursue intimacy with Jesus by turning down, ceasing activity, their own exploration of activity so that they could grow in their awareness of God's activity. I think, I think that could be a game-changing moment for an individual, for a community, and for a region. And so as we wrap up this series, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to encourage you I'm going to stop one step short of begging you to fast and to pray and to meditate on God's word and to pursue community and to be a good steward of everything that you've been given. I'm going to ask because I believe when we do that, that we will be more aware of what God is already doing and can partner with what he wants to do in us, around us, and maybe even through us. And maybe we can get out of our own way and allow God to shine and allow the name of Jesus to be the most famous name in our region. This isn't about a sea road brand. It's about Jesus. And I happen to believe if we press into these spiritual disciplines, that's what we'll end up getting and receiving is more Jesus. And how could that be a bad thing? Would you join me as we pray?
Father, I am grateful that you are ever so patient with us. I think of the limits of my own patience as a dad, and they pale in comparison to the limits of your patience. You are slow to anger where I am quick at times. You are abounding in love where I am judgmental at times. You are everything and more that we need in every season and in every moment of our lives. And so Jesus, I ask as we would embrace and pursue these different disciplines throughout the course of our lifetime, not just in the next 20 days when everything is fresh and fun and happy, but we would discipline ourselves to engage in these things. I ask, Father, that you'd give us a growing awareness of where you're at work. Father, I recognize it's going to be hard for some of us because we're in a season that is filled with great pain. And so in that season and in those moments, I ask Jesus that you would bring comfort and healing and peace in your name. That as other activity has ceased, that you would restore and, and bring hope once again, even in the midst of pain and suffering and waiting. And Father, I recognize that we also we also at times are captivated by other things outside of you. And so as we recalibrate individually and communally, would you allow us the privilege of following you into the lives of people with greater love, with greater certainty, with greater hopefulness along the way. We pray this in the name of Jesus.